0: like he was just flawless josh allen the matador when it comes to d lineman or whoever is coming at him you got to send multiple guys
1: i like that the matador yeah
0: josh allen the matador coin it you're now listening to the wandering buffalo podcast with your hosts andrew chang and justin goddard Hello and welcome to the Wandering Buffalo Podcast, a show on the Built In Buffalo Network. As always, I am your co host, Andrew Chang, and alongside me is my other co host, Justin Goddard. And tonight, we're going to talk about that uh, Bills beatdown over the football team. So, we're going to recap things that we liked, we didn't like in terms of the offense and defense just our overall takeaways, and of course, our player of the week. Then after that, we're going to preview next week's game against the Houston Texans, how they're currently looking, what the media thinks of them, what we want to see, what we don't want to see, and as always, our game prediction. Before we get into that, you can always find us on most social media and podcasting platforms, and of course YouTube by searching the Wandering Buffalo Podcast. Go ahead and like, and comment, and share that these videos. It does help us out a lot, and we greatly appreciate that. Um, and in addition, you can always find other amazing shows on the Built in Buffalo Network, such as our good friend, uh, you know, Vince Taylor from the Buffalo on the Brain podcast, which my co host Justin here is always a part on on Mondays that drops. So definitely check that out. But Justin, how are you feeling after this W?
1: I'm riding high man. That was uh that was a game I needed to see after uh making it out for the Steelers game week one mm-hmm. and last minute decided to go out to this one too and boy was that a lot more fun than than what we saw week one. Um, there was never really any point at the game where I was, like, stressed out and feeling like I was gonna have a heart attack, and it was just, it was a fun game to be at. How are you today?
0: I'm doing great. You know, I wanted to go to this game really bad, so much so I was looking at StubHub the night before, I was like, well, oh, these tickets are pretty cheap, these tickets are pretty cheap, and I know you offered to take me to the game, but, uh... You know, it was just so short notice, and we had friends come in from out of town. It, it just couldn't—the stars weren't aligned. Um, as for tonight, I am doing great. I just got my ass handed to me in a volleyball league that I'm in, We're basically like the New York Jets were winless. Um, there's not a lot of coordination between the players, and it's not great, but let's transition to a team that is coordinated and is doing great so far, and— that's where we're going to take it to recapping this Washington football team. And we got to start off, of course, with our boy Josh Allen, who went 32 of 43 um, completion percentage. So that's good for 74.4%, 358 passing yards, uh, QBR of 129.8, five total touchdowns. And, you know, last week I asked you, Justin, are you worried about Josh Allen? And I'm going to ask you the same question. So, Justin, are you worried about Josh Allen?
1: Uh, so so the same way that I answered last week where I wasn't really in a panic mode, but there was still a little bit, bit of concern there, I like to kind of not overreact one way or the other towards a single game. Um, so while I had a little bit of concern going into this, and he really lit it up in this game, I wouldn't say that that small amount of concern I had is completely lifted. Um, but it certainly took a lot of steps to make me feel like we, like 2020 Josh was the real deal. And, you know, over, over the sample size of last year, I've kind of always felt that way. That's why I kind of stayed on the reserved caution side. Um, but it was a really fun game to see him getting back on track
0: for sure. And you were there in person, which I I can, I can't even imagine how electric the stadium was. And I'll say this, if you're still nervous about Josh Allen that's okay (laughs) you know I don't personally agree with you but you're entitled to your own opinions and if you need to see a little more you know 2020 Josh Allen that's perfectly fine don't don't let anyone tell you how to feel (laughs) you look more like MVP Josh Allen today and he even said he still left throws out there so you know he's always got that growth mentality that he wants to be better and i will say josh allen is one of the few quarterbacks that is cognizant of his game flaws and he's able to address it post game with the media and then work really really hard at it and make significant improvements the following week so i i you know big kudos to josh allen he looked real good today and bouncing back from that two game low is just simply amazing right
1: yeah and i i wouldn't say that you know there's not other quarterbacks out there that aren't cognizant of it and i just think with josh we we always get a very open and vulnerable josh and he never shies away from from taking onto his shoulders you you know his shortcomings and When he really excels, he's always giving the love around to his teammates. And he he could go out and throw for 500 yards, and he's not going to be like, hey, I was great today. He's still going to say, you know, we had a good game, we got some work to do, and we're on to the next team. So I really feel like he's always working towards that next step, and he's never really complacent with where he is.
0: Right, right. Well, let's talk about the five men in front of him who – you know pass blocked and run blocked for this team and of course that's the offensive line again i think that they took a step in the right direction i'm gonna have to look at the tape and go back on the game pass and just kind of watch the kind of a couple of the reps throughout there but it felt like the o-line again was on the upswing in terms of pass blocking i thought they did as good as they could with a defensive line like Washington's and don't you know Josh Allen wasn't sacked but that doesn't mean that there wasn't any pressure or havoc being generated from that Washington defensive line and I don't know the exact number off the top of my head but I'm pretty sure Cody Ford gave up I think around 10 pressures maybe more it's something. It's something absurd like that. And I even texted you, right, at, right in the first series, because I saw Josh sidestep. I think uh, Duran Payne, like, w- like twice that drive back to back. And I was, I, I just, it just gave me vibes of that Steelers game with um, John Feliciano and Cam Hayward. And I was like, oh god, it, it, this isn't gonna be good. But Josh was able to sidestep. All these defenders, and you put Josh Allen 101 in the back of the pocket, we all know that he's hard to bring down. So, again, easily sidestep the pressure, able to roll out to his right, and you know eventually make some really good plays like that Emmanuel Sanders touchdown. Justin, what what'd you think about that offensive blocking from the line today?
1: Yeah, so, so this week I, I wouldn't say it was perfect. I think it was far from perfect. Um, but what I kind of took away from this game with a really good front four in Washington um kind of reminded me a little bit more of the pass blocking last year mm-hmm. um when you have a quarterback like josh there's inherently you're going to have to stay on your blocks longer. he likes to you know kind of hold on to the ball and get to the second third option and whatnot, and you know sometimes when he's scrambling around back there it it's it's hard to stay on your mark. Um but what I saw in this game is like yes while there was pressure it was usually, you know, one guy getting through kind of like you mentioned and I'll take my chances of Josh making one guy miss or there was a play in particular I remember um Chase Young kind of let himself get too far upfield mm-hmm. and that Josh uh, steps up and slides over. I think that was the Emmanuel Sanders touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets moving to the right you know it's they get paid to make plays on both sides of the ball and while I do think there was pressures given up the difference between this game and the Pittsburgh game is you had two three guys getting through at a time versus Pittsburgh versus this game was kind of you know one guy sneaking through and it was pretty consistent that somebody was getting through Mm -hmm. Um, but again that's that's kind of Josh's bread and butter I think I think he almost thrives there more of let me make this guy miss and get out on the move and slide the pocket. And mm-hmm. so I, I think there's still work to be done there, but I think this game was very encouraging from, from the offensive line perspective.
0: Yeah, it's like it's almost like he's in 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 the pocket and he as soon as a defender comes in, he just pulls out that red Toro flag and he's like, all right, ole, and then he just goes the other way. <laughs> at least that's how i felt like he was just flawless josh allen the matador when it comes to d lineman or whoever is coming at him you got to send multiple guys
1: i like that the matador yeah
0: josh allen the matador coin it and then you know I, i thought it was very interesting that you said you know chase young had to you know go upfield and josh allen was able to go up to the right and you know roll out I thought Daryl Williams, you know, before I heard about these pressures uh, with Cody Ford, and I thought Daryl Williams actually looked the worst. But I, to your point, maybe they were letting Chase Young go up the field more so Josh Allen could step up in the pocket, which doesn't sound right in my head. Like, oh, yeah, I just let this guy go by me. Like, you know like it, I did that on purpose but it does make sense in terms of and I I, I gotta give credit here because I, I think Joe Marino mentioned this but it makes sense because it makes a defensive player run a longer path and Josh typically throws the ball under three seconds so he's got to run up run five yards in three seconds why not make him go the longer path? Like, you know, so I guess that makes a lot of sense. But in my head, it's just like, Dare Williams gives up. Like, I want you to go around me the long yeah. way. <laughs> that,
1: that, that's one of the things where I, I have to watch it a couple times. And before I look at just like the, the pure numbers of what pressures were allowed and mm-hmm. whatnot. Um, to me, it's more like watching the game the feeling of is he running for his life or not and you know a guy that can get by you with speed like chase young you know if if that's if that's the poison that he's picking that play and he's going to try to run by you then you know maybe your option is getting a little bit wider and trying to get him to just run past your quarterback so josh can step up in the pocket um so does that go into the stat column as a pressure yeah maybe Mm -hmm. but also, the alternative is, uh, I get, I get a little bit. I don't try to get hung up too much on on the raw numbers. I, it's more of a, mm-hmm. how do I feel when I'm watching it? Yeah,
0: maybe that was the mentality when Brandon Bean looked at Bobby Hart and like, you know, he gives up a lot of pressures, but maybe he did that on purpose. <laughs> no, I'm He's coming I'm, back. All jokes aside, no, I, we don't want to see Bobby Hart. <laughs> Um, You know, on the positive side, I I do, like I said, I do think this offensive line was on the upswing. Deion Dawkins, again, step in the right direction. John Feliciano looked a lot better this week. He, again, up the upswing, and Mitch Morris, consistent. He's consistently Mitch, so not not too bad from them. Let's talk about this run blocking. Again, I got to look at the tape a little more. But uh, maybe I'm a little greedy here. I want them to be a little better. Like, I want more. <laughs> just because I guess I, I, I just want this team to be so good. But that's my own personal take on it. And we're going to get into this a little bit later when we break down, you know, the rushing yards. But Moss fired at the highest clip running for 4.6 yards per carry. But Devin Singletary went 2.4 yards per carry carry and maybe that's a design of this offense that they're going to ride the hot hand you know week one moss isn't there week two it's singletary again and now this time it's moss so maybe that's by design but like i said we'll get to that let's talk about the receiving yards here and i'll just go right down the list cole beasley Leading the way with 11 receptions, 98 yards, the elusive two yards, of course, there's just not there. Of course, he wouldn't get 100. Um, Then after that, Emmanuel Sanders, five catches, 94 yards, two touchdowns. Stephon Diggs, six catches, 62 yards. Uh, Dawson Knox, four yards, 49, or I'm sorry, four receptions, 49 yards, and a touchdown. Big big game for Knox. Moss three yards, thirty one. Uh, oh my God, three receptions, thirty one yards, one touchdown. Gabriel Davis, the lone one catch for twenty three yards. Tommy Sweeney got out there for two yards or two receptions for two yards. So one 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 step at a time, quite literally for him. And yeah, that that was about it. And that weird Devin Singletary pass for zero yards on the fourth down conversion. So, you know, I already mentioned Cole Beasley clearly was a focal point of today's offense. And I was pleasantly surprised, I guess, to see him at the top of the list. Because when I was watching this game, I definitely saw his name pop up a lot. But I guess he kind of got overshadowed, in my opinion, by... Dawson Knox and Emmanuel Sanders because they got the touchdowns mainly Dawson Knox for me just because I was not expecting this man to get that touchdown and he might got away with a little push-off but you know whatever it was still a phenomenal catch and you know Sanders had a great great day two touchdowns sign me up and like we said it was the off script uh, roll out to the right, classic Allen. And just in general, I, I'm i just so happy with this wide receiver performance, except for one person, but we'll get to that.
1: Yeah, so for me, this this is kind of the game that I was waiting to see from Josh, and I think what made him so successful last season is, is this was like the quintessential – Take what the take the profits, take what the defense is giving you, mm-hmm. and just keep moving up and down the field. And there was a couple shot plays, and uh, the one he missed to Diggs, he was running wide open. He got hit on the play. Uh, I think it was probably a pass interference too. Um, but what we saw kind of in the last couple of weeks is he was kind of chasing those plays. Mm-hmm um and not really moving on from them as much. And personally, you know, six catches, sixty-two yards feels like a quiet game for Diggs. Um, but Diggs is gonna have his games where he eats. And what I like about this kind of distribution is you got eight different guys with catches, um, all making impacts and seeing Sanders seeing Beasley seeing Knox that's that's Josh getting to his his second third reads and finding the sweet spots um so I I think the more the more games you see broken down stat wise like this the more success the team will have this year
0: yeah spread out the ball and I love what you said about Diggs and you know pay all the you know defenses out there you don't keep doubling stefan diggs that just leaves one-on-one matchups for everyone else out there if that's what you want to do fine and this game it felt like they were able to capitalize on those opportunities as you just mentioned because we had seven other receivers get out there and get get open and catch some passes so i'm pretty happy with the player stefan diggs has evolved into to draw that double coverage because it just means that hey you know defensive coordinators are going to the board like we gotta watch 14 and not you justin because I, I see you wearing a jersey 14 there but uh it, dig it yeah oh dig it oh okay okay yeah this we, is my
1: this is my custom-made digs jersey after it was
0: a fitzpatrick
1: uh, it was a sammy a Ooh. fitz a joe webb uh it, it's had it's had many names on it
0: wow Well, you know, I wouldn't have been upset if it was a Fitzpatrick jersey. I I, I don't hate him. (laughs) But, and you know, what a shame that we couldn't even see him out there today. But, you know, whatever. And, yeah, like I was saying, defensive coordinators are definitely going up to their drawing board and saying, like, hey, we got to watch out for Stephon Diggs. Game plan around him. Or, hey, we got to watch out for Cole Beasley and Dick. So they'll just bracket those guys off, and we've already seen that. And I think we saw it the most in the Miami game. That means other weapons have to step up. So you saw Knox catch a touchdown in that Miami game. What happened in this game? Knox caught another touchdown. And one weapon that hasn't really stepped up, which I had hoped, that it would, or they would, is Gabriel Davis. I don't know what's going on with them, and I don't know if it's the ankle injury that he had, but it's clear that he's not getting targets out there. So I, I don't know if you have any insight on that, but what, what's going on with our man Davis?
1: I, I wouldn't really call it insight. I, I will start by saying the one catch that he did have was... A beautiful little catch and run Mm -hmm. on I think it was third and fifteen deep in our own deep in our own end there and he picked up twenty three yards. Um but yeah, Davis is definitely somebody that I've been hoping to see more from and I feel like I feel like we saw this last year too when he was playing a bit injured and just wasn't as effective. Um for for me personally, if he's got something lingering with the ankle that He's not really feeling full go, and it it doesn't even happen to be because we're playing the Texans this week. I would say it for any week. You know, if he needs if he needs to kind of shut it down for a week to make sure he's he's right. Um, this is a team that we expect to be able to make a deep playoff push, um, so I don't want to see him trying to do too much at the beginning of the season mm-hmm. and really have this drag on. If you got to shut him down for a week or two then then do that excuse me do that um but for me if they're saying he's good to go then then my question ends up being well where is he in the offense i i know he's kind of a fourth mouth to feed um but we saw him thrive in that role last year Mm -hmm. so i would like to see just how just how healthy he is and if he's not you know feeling 90 95 i would like to see him sit down for a week
0: Hypothetical situation, let's say Gabriel Davis has to sit out for like 2 to 3 weeks. Do you put him on IR and bring up Marquez Stevenson? Activate him. Insert him in the offense and, you know, we'll we'll definitely get to McKenzie's woes and the, the return game, but would you would you do that? Would you swap them? Uh, for IR spots, if,
1: if if Davis had something going on that he needed a few weeks, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd play that game. Uh, I'm saying, also, I'm saying,
0: if he didn't need that right now, as Brandon Bean and or whoever has the say, you right now, you're someone comes up to you from your staff, they go like, "Hey, let's shut down Davis, but let's bring Marquez Stevenson up. He's got the speed." As a wide receiver, he's definitely healthy now. And, you know, McKenzie has been a little inconsistent in the return game. Do you make that switch?
1: Uh, If it's a one-for-one swap with Gabe Davis, no. Hmm. Um, If Gabe Davis can be out there and healthy, I think he kind of brings a little bit of a different dynamic to our receiving core that we don't really have in the other guys. A little bit more size, a little... A uh, little more on, like, the – it has a lot to do with him being the fourth receiver, but when, when the play breaks down, coming back and, and making those types of plays, mm-hmm. um, for for as much as I really want to see Stevenson on the field and what he can do this year, and I think he will get an opportunity in one way or another mm-hmm. by the end of the season. Um, All we really know about him right now is he's – uh, Sixth round pick, shiny new toy, and um, we've seen Gabe Davis prove a little something in a year. And it, it's just not a formula that I really care to mess with too much in season. If it's if it's a one for one swap,
0: right, right. Well, let's transition into the rushing yards, and there's not much to say here. Zach Boss definitely led the way. He had a, oh, I'm sorry, he had 13 carries. 60 yards, as I mentioned, 4.6 yards per carry, um, and then after that, it's Singletary with 11 carries for 26 yards, for good for 2.4 per carry. Trubisky had that one long run of 22 yards, then the kneel downs. Allen, four carries, nine yards, you know, enough. Oh, and a touchdown off that. So, uh, definitely the better, best running back we got on the team. <laughs> um, But, you know, it's clear here that the Bills are going to ride the hot hand, and this week it was Moss, and I think he impacted the game very, very well. So, thumbs up, Moss.
1: Yeah, and for me what I like most about looking at these numbers of the running backs is, you know, you just take an outside glance at Singletary – um, when he broke off that forty-six yard run and then for a touchdown, and it ends up being, you know, he had like an eighty-yard day, and looks like he ran for something like seven yards per carry. Mm-hmm. Um, what I liked about what I like about looking at these numbers is the outlier for Zach Moss is a nine-yard run. Um, so it kind of shows that his average of four point six yards per carry is it, it's not inflated or Mm -hmm. deflated by bad runs or good runs it's it's kind of showing an actual consistency there yeah and if we can have 13 carries for 60 yards out of him you know with the passing offense moving like they are I think that's going to be just fine on most weeks Um, what I would like to see a little bit more is you know Singletary also had 11 carries if you have Zach Moss and he's he's having a good game maybe bring Singletary down to, like, six and give Moss a few more whacks at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, overall, this is kind of like a compliment to the passing game just to keep defenses on defenses honest, and that's all I really wanted to see out of this run game is our running backs not getting hit behind the line of scrimmage every time we try it. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though those numbers aren't anything crazy, it's enough to keep the defenses from just thinking past every single play like we did pretty often last year.
0: Yeah, you got to respect the run, and I think the Bills have definitely made the step in the right direction when it comes to running the football as they're much more effective this year thus far. Now it's only three games, but I'm happy with what I'm seeing. Let's transition to the defense, and I'll just kind of give you the whole breakdown here per ESPN. 45 tackles. 35 solo tackle this or solo tackles. This team does not tackle well. If you didn't know, <laughs> uh, there was one sack. Starlou Tule kind of pushed him out, or T- Heineke pushed him. Um, Starlou Tule pushed Heineke out. So I mean, I guess it was a sack. Five tackles for a loss, five pass breakups, two QB hits, 21 points allowed, and we're going to start with the defensive line here, which was relatively quiet i guess and you know star had that one sack but you know we're using air quotes here it was it was a sack and i'll say this heineke is a slippery guy super super slippery i i thought we had him at least four or five times and he was able to like duck and weave and duck dive dig <laughs> what's that duck, quote
1: dive dip dodge duck yeah literally all that Something stuff like and. That.
0: Was able to like get out of the pocket and hold on to the football, and so I I can't really fault the defensive line too much for Heineke's elusiveness, but I will say on the positive side, this run defense still looks real good, real 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 good. Would you would you think about the defensive line performance?
1: Yeah, so I was I was kind of hoping to see the the pass rush carry over from Miami into Washington and it's really fun watching a defense when they're just trying to take the quarterback's head off their block um but I will give Washington credit there I feel like their offensive line is kind of similar to our offensive line and I feel like Heineke is kind of like a budget Josh Allen type of player uh He's going to make some people miss. He's got kind of a gunslinger mentality. I think Heineke is a lot better than he gets credit for. And oh, yeah. He, he, he had far from a great day against us, obviously, a couple turnovers and whatnot. Um, but but the fact that we weren't able to really get home on him didn't really surprise me all that much. I I feel like I'm riding high with the defensive line, but I don't expect to see six sacks every game it it just doesn't happen that often Mm -hmm. um so overall i mean from from where we were last year i'm really impressed with what the run defense looks like so far um they have a really good pair of running backs and mckissick and gibson and overall i i feel like they played pretty well in a pretty quiet way
0: yeah you know you didn't hear from them which i i guess is good you know, that's kinda of like with cornerbacks. You don't you don't hear from them, so that's pretty good, right? No um, news is good news. Yeah. So I'll take I'll I'll take that. Let's talk about the linebackers and again they looked very, very good. Milano, again, God so far. Great at rushing and in coverage. I can specifically recall that one play, I think it was on third down where Adam Humphreys uh I think just kind of does a quick turnaround, finds a soft spot in the zone, and Milano's able to read it, you know, because he's a former safety and you know, Heineke throws it to him, but Milano's, you know, smart enough to recognize the play, able to break that up and, you know, they punt the ball back to us. Milano's doing great and PFF is recognizing it. I've always thought Milano was a great, you know, linebacker here and he he's I mean, I don't think any he does he definitely doesn't get underappreciated on this team or uh, from us as fans but this man is so good I love I love me some Matt Milano
1: yeah and I was I was really worried that we wouldn't be able to get him back and that he was going to kind of price himself out of Buffalo with some of the injury concerns he's had mm-hmm. and that's one where Bean's looking better every day because you know not only is milano playing at a super high level um but that contract that they were able to work out with him i mean that's probably at at the very least for linebackers like that's the best value contract it's in the nfl better and better you're getting top tier play for i mean he's making good money but it's not you know the the top top end of the linebacker market so
0: yeah it's another stroke of genius by uh, brandon bean and you know, when it comes to Edmund, I again, he seems like he's being consistent. I do think that he's a little susceptible to QBI misdirection. You know, we saw that I, I can recall specifically in this game, there was I think they were in the red zone. Heineke drew him over with his left with his eyes moving to the left. Edmunds followed him, but then uh, Logan Thomas was able to sneak to Edmonds' right and oh, I'm sorry, Edmonds left. And I got that backwards. Heineke drew Edmonds to his right. Logan Thomas came open to his left, and Heineke was able to throw, you know, just a dart right in the middle because that in that vacated spot because he moved Edmonds over. And, you know, Maybe that's just a very common thing in the league, or maybe that's better, more good on Heineke than anything. But, you know, just something I've noticed, and it was clearly a problem in the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs. And I definitely think this Tremaine Edmonds is much better than that version that we saw in the AFC Championship game. But, you know, he's still learning. And I, like I said, I thought he played well, and he was doing consistent
1: yeah that so Edmonds is kind of a player for me where I'm gonna get murdered by Bills Mafia you know if you have a take against Edmonds they don't like that but Edmonds to me is he's kind of coasting off of his draft status for me and I think he's kind of a fine player um I see an awful lot of like you said the he gets drawn with the quarterback's eyes what what I see the most that concerns me is, one, missed tackles, and two, I see an awful lot of the, the falling on top of the piles um, where he's like just there a second late and somebody else makes the play and, and you see him kind of finish off the play at the end. Um, and to your point, yes, he's much better this year than this time last year, and I do think he's playing with more consistency. I think he's... You know, playing healthy, I think he's playing a little bit more free. Um, but he's somebody that I'm going to be keeping a sharp eye on for the remainder of the season, just due to the fact that yes, he is still young and he's still kind of getting his legs in the NFL. But at a certain point, he's in his what fourth season, and he's going to be coming up for a contract. And that is not going to be a small contract just based on his draft status, his measurables, his speed, the fact that he's already won two Pro Bo- or gone to two Pro Bowls. And I'm just concerned that as good of a player as he may be, if we start giving him a contract that looks something like what Fred Warner just got, it's just going to kind of set us up for disappointment with him.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I get it, right? We want more from Jemaine Edmonds, but I I think he's taken a step forward, and he can only get better is what I'm saying, and I think so far he's made those steps in the right direction. So that's all I can say. I'm just very optimistic on a guy like him. So... Let's transition to the cornerbacks here. You know, again, no news is great news. And, you know, I have nothing to say about Wallace, which is great. I think he did a good job. Teron Johnson, again, playing very, very well so far in his contract year, showing out. And then Tradadivitius White held Terry McLaurin to only 62 yards and able to do that peanut punch to get the fumble out on that crazy Logan Thomas. Uh, third third down conversion, I think, and where he looked like he was just owning the Bills. So all in all, I think the cornerbacks did very well, and they needed to because outside of Terry McLaurin, there was nobody. So kind of yeah, expected, not, but I needed to see it to believe it.
1: Yeah, I don't really have much to add to that. I think, I think the whole secondary had a good day and outside of that one play by gibson if you take that out they had very pedestrian passing numbers even for a team that was you know trailing by pretty big numbers the whole game so i'm um, overall secondary played great
0: yeah and let's move on to the other part of the secondary and that's the safety jordan Poirier, safeties sorry jordan Poirier, micah hyde two interceptions each these guys are so good and i love I love how underrated they are and how they don't get any recognition because I swear it just makes them play even better. And if you're out there and you're kind of upset with the touchdown that, you know, Micah Hyde gave up to Logan Thomas, there's not much he can do in that position because he basically just just got posted up on by Logan Thomas. The ball was thrown super high. He was behind Logan Th- Logan Thomas and that it's just a basketball move that you know it it is what it is and he probably Logan Thomas probably could have done that to most safeties in the league so I'm not I'm not going to give him any flack for that.
1: Yeah, I've never really had any complaints for either Poyer or Hyde. The only one I can really say is the the Murray and that was just a whole cluster. But yeah, those those two have been, since they came over together, they've been super dynamic together, they play really well off each other, just all around two great players at safety and another great game for them.
0: I can't believe you just brought up the hell Murray. it just, it's like Voldemort's name. I had name. to think <laughs>
1: of the, I had to think of the one time I had a complaint about them.
0: It's literally like Voldemort. One. Then... Instead of the name, the name, the one who shall not be named, the play that shall not be named. The play like, that shall not be named. I'm good on that. <laughs> All right, let's uh, wrap up this game performance by talking about special teams and coaching. And we got to start with special teams, right? McKenzie, what was that kickoff? He, I, he let the ball bounce like he was fielding a punt. And the last time I, I could think something like that happen was probably Mike Gillesey the last game I think that was the last year that Rex Ryan was our head coach it was the last game week 17 and Gillesey just let it fall in the end zone the Jets like scooped it up and scored a touchdown at the end of the game and won I I just remember looking at that and just staring at my TV just being shell-shocked and just thinking to myself what are you doing
1: yeah that that was not a fun play to Mm -hmm. be in person for um the my overall feeling on on that play and i could be wrong but my feeling is that there was a mental lapse there Mm -hmm. and he was treating it as as a punt return Mm -hmm. and was like hey i'm not gonna be able to field this ball very well we'll just let it bounce and it'll be safe and then probably realized too late that oh oh shit that's a live ball um Mm. i have to watch that play again a couple times i know the wind kind of took it weird and it it was a very weird play but that's
0: he let it hit the ground which in my opinion is not what you wanted to do because at that point it definitely becomes live and you don't know where it's going to bounce (laughs) <laughs> you know yeah speaking of bouncing there were two other occasions where you know isaiah was in the punt return position he let a ball bounce that took a washington roll and washington was able to down it at the 10 yard line on the bills 10 and then there was one where he fair caught it where he could have easily gained like 10 to 15 more yards at minimum but he fair fair caught the ball and you could just tell when, as soon as he looked for, he's like Shouldn't have done that. So just a little inconsistency for McKenzie for my liking. And uh, he's got to get better.
1: Yeah, for me, when when Roberts walked this, this was just the reason why I was upset by it. It's just Mm -hmm. it doesn't always seem like McKenzie is making the smartest play, and I could always count on Roberts for that. So the explosiveness is fun, but... I'm more interested in seeing consistently the smart plays.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny that you mention Andre Roberts because not only are we playing him next week, and I guess he's not doing super well And Houston. I think he
1: has, like three fumbled punts this year.
0: Really? Yeah. So maybe, maybe we parted ways at the right time. <laughs> but let's get back to this game. Bass, you know, made all his kicks and field goals. That's great. Hawk consistent again dropping the ball within the opponent's 20 so i like that and when it comes to coaching leslie frazier again came through with a grade a plan and dable went in you know and so did the offense for his grandma's passing so big thumbs up for me really sad to hear about his grandma but uh really really nice to see all that come together
1: yeah and Agree with everything you said. It's it's nice seeing Matt Hawk get, get the ball down inside the opponent's 20. Um, that seems to be what they were going after when they kind of did the swap for him for Bojo. So mm-hmm. if he can keep consistently doing that, I, I guess I'll uh, eat my crow and accept Matt Hawk.
0: <laughs> and lastly... Let's talk about the spotlight player of the week, you know, a- after the game we were all messaging in our group chat with, you know, Jake, our executive producer. Justin and I, we all came up with, you know, some players we wanted to put out there. Justin, who's your spotlight player of the week?
1: Uh mine had to be Josh for this game just with the with the slow start he had to the season to just mm-hmm. come out and ball. Um there there's a few different players, Sanders, Knox, Beasley, um maybe a couple guys on defense um but just really for the start of the season Josh had uh it it felt right for it to be him this game and i'm sure he's going to have a lot more of those performances so we'll we'll swing the ball around a little bit later on
0: yeah for me i you kind of gave it away but i i got to give it to Knox this man oof, he he showed up today and i was pleasantly pleasantly surprised and just that touchdown that he had was just gold not to mention the prom pose after like hilarious hilarious well anyways that's going to wrap it up for this game recap so let's transition to our game preview against the taradless texans but before we do that let's take a quick break and we'll be right back Welcome back everyone, we're going to wrap up this episode by previewing our week 4 matchup against the Ty- Tyrod, 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 list you know, Houston Texans. So again, this game is going to be at Highmark Stadium at 1pm. It's supposed to be 67 degrees with a 24% chance of rain. Let's hope that doesn't happen because I plan on intending this game. And again, there will be 8 mile per hour wins. So let's break down this team. They lost their Thursday night game uh, against, uh, well, who do they play again? The Panthers. Yeah, they lost their game against the Panthers. And that game was kind of, eh. I didn't really enjoy it too much. And the only reason why I don't enjoy it is because I have Christian McCaffrey on my team. And if you play fantasy, you know that this sucks. So I'm, I'm hurting a little bit, but... Uh, hopefully your fantasy teams are doing well. Hopefully I'll get uh, Chuba Chuba Hubbard, <laughs> you know, Chubba. the infamous Chubba Hubbard <laughs> Chubba. <laughs> on the waiver wires. But the the team itself, Texans, are second in the AFC South, and they and their head coach is David Culley, who somehow beat out our man Leslie Frazier. So I want to say a big thank you to the Houston Texans hiring organization for not hiring Leslie Frazier because we get to have him back. So you guys are doing great. Keep up the great, good work and just keep on doing you
1: (laughs) You dumpster fire.
0: Oh, that, that poor, poor organization. Anyways, let's transition to what sports Keita, which happens to be the, the best place to find their strengths and weaknesses into the season. So let's talk about their strengths first, Justin, and that's got to be a deep running back room. And I would agree with this. They have Phil Lindsay, David Johnson, and Mark Ingram, all super, super experienced. Now, they might be a little bit long in the tooth, but that that's still experience. And at one point, each of these guys were really, really good. But so far, they're ranking 29th in the NFL in terms of rushing offense. So yeah they got experience but it's not really converting into yardage which is maybe their offensive line performance or maybe it's just the rushers themselves or maybe it's a scheme but at the end of the day i can see where this would be a strength to start off this season but it just looks like they haven't figured it out yet
1: yeah i think that's kind of a mixed bag for me like they they have some names there David Johnson Mark Ingram Lindsley like they're all they're all pretty good players but I also look at this as a team that you can kind of game plan for those guys and and dare the offense to beat you in the air Mm -hmm. and you know that even with Tyrod Taylor we saw a lot of him in Buffalo and I love the guy I respect the guy but he's not making anybody shaken in, in their boots at his prolific passing game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's kind of other teams can key in on those running backs and and kind of make it tough sledding for them.
0: Yeah, and I'm just not really scared about this running back room because, again, 29th, 29th in the league for those kind of names, it's just like, what what what? What? You just would definitely expect have, a little more.
1: I definitely have more concern going into playing Antonio Gibson and McKissick. So. Oh
0: yeah, absolutely, and I guess we'll transition to the next strength here, which is Brandon Cooks, and so far he is showing out, and he's, I believe, what is he? He's third in the league, and as far as receptions or yards, I can't remember. Which one it is, but he's got 322 yards, and I don't know how a guy like him gets tossed around. So wasn't he like, wasn't he on the Saints? Then he had the Patriots, then the Rams, and now he's at Houston, right? I don't know if he had another stop, but I don't know how a consistent 1,000 yard receiver just gets bounced around so much in his career like is he secretly like really mean or something or not a locker room guy or is he like antonio brown-esque <laughs> you know calling their gms racial slurs or something I, I just don't know what what's going on with this dude like why why, why does no one want him
1: <laughs> yeah I, i've never seen anything like that about him and usually that makes its way out mm-hmm. um yeah I, i've always liked cooks as a receiver i like him much better as like a number two option because he'll still put up those numbers with somebody opposite him um for for this for this team it's kind of like you know they're gonna do some passing and somebody's got to catch the balls and who else are they really going to be able to throw to so Mm -hmm. i'm really not surprised he's putting up stats he's a good player on a bad team
0: yeah i feel like every coach that he's had Inter- when he gets like a thousand yard uh, re- receiving yard season, they they got like a sticky note on the back of their hand, and they're like, "Hey man, you're doing a great job." Slaps him on the back, and on the sticky note it says like "For sale." Like, <laughs> like why? I just <laughs> and it's crazy because he he's leading. Well, he's a top three in terms of reception yard receiving yards, but again this team is 29th in the league so there's not production going on with outside of them so they're 20 their third worst in rushing and their third worst in receiving so not i i guess it's their strengths but it's not really their strengths at the same time it it's kind of weird and i'll go into the other strengths that sports kita kind of provided us and they're very questionable so I'll let you kind of decide here and again this is before the season started so you gotta gotta take it, take it for what it's worth they said their kicker who's on IR so that's out the window this is a stretch their strength of schedule which ranks fifteen so dead in the middle don't really see how that's the strength of this team it's just kind of like yeah. My biggest strength is I don't got to play against some tough guys. <laughs> like what? <laughs> like, are, are, why are you hanging your hat on that? And, uh, this one's real funny element of surprise because of the huge turnover of head coaches. Like we're so this is our strength. We have all new pieces. We're trying to figure it out. And by the way, we hired a coach, our head coach, Who's not really good at coaching wide receivers, and we're that's our strength. Like
1: what? Yeah, <laughs> I I looked through this list of the other strengths and I was like, well, you're you're really stretching for something like the strength of schedule. One of the strengths has nothing to do with the team. It's it's how the NFL yeah. <laughs> made
0: their schedule. Like, if anything, I would put that a weakness. Yeah, not <laughs> very many. They're strengths struggling and. <laughs> Yeah.
1: To be fair, they've already matched how many games I thought they would win for the season. So,
0: Yeah, uh, I'll give you that. And they did give Cleveland a bit of a tussle there, so I guess that's okay, but uh, whatever. <laughs> so let's transition to their weaknesses, which is a little bit more realistic in my opinion. And we got to start with no Terod Taylor here. And I love Terod, man. He... I again so weird that he randomly said that one like I say randomly said one time but it was like a couple years ago he's like oh by the way my name's not Tyrod it's (laughs) Tyrod
1: and then nobody started calling him Tyrod yeah it was like
0: hey like hey man Uh, it's kind of like when people look at my last name they go like Chiang and I'm like no it's Chang." Like, okay Chiang Chiang. like (laughs) okay alright dude like (laughs) I've
1: said what I said
0: like Thanks, dude. But, no, he he was a backup all like through his rookie year in Baltimore behind Joe Flacco out of all quarterbacks. You know, that, wow. Like he's, there, There's your variance. Yeah, and then he comes to the Bills. We ship him off to Cleveland for a third-round pick, which I thought was really good value, you know, but I, I, I liked him. And then he gets concussed. And Baker Mayfield has that crazy Thursday night football game against the Jets and wins. And that starts that era. And then he gets a lung punctured out against the chargers, which is absolutely ridiculous. And now he's with the Texans. Oh, and he's now put on IR. Like this man is getting kicked around the curb. I don't get it. Like what a poor guy poor poor guy
1: yeah i i always loved him as a person Mm -hmm. as far as a quarterback in the nfl uh, he's probably like right on the fringe of of starting caliber quarterback slash very high end backup quarterback Um, but he was always a very likable guy and Mm -hmm. just just had so many weird shots and just so many bad cards dealt his way. So I've always kind of rooted for the guy um, after leaving Buffalo, and and he's just gotten some bad hands. And Mm -hmm. hopefully he can come back from this injury and lead Houston to another couple wins.
0: Yeah, and you know what? I'll say this very proudly. Definitely probably the best nickname for a quarterback that the Bills have had in a long time. Fitzpatrick is up there, but... T-Mobile, that was pretty cool. I, I I always liked that name for him. So
1: legendary nickname status.
0: Yeah, and I'm not saying that, and T-Mobile is not sponsoring this podcast whatsoever because I think their service is subpar, and I can say that because I have T-Mobile. <laughs> yeah, not great. Um, but let's transition to the other weakness, and that's where's the talent? And I'm thinking about that meme <laughs> where you know the guy's like holding the jack, and he's just looking around. was like, where is the talent? There's just been a mass exodus of it over the past couple years. Hopkins traded to Arizona. Watt asked for his release. Now he's in Arizona. Dwayne Brown got traded, and now he's in Seattle. Clowney, which, you know, whatever. Say what you want to say about him and his character and his effort. He was still a really good player that was sought out for a while, but... He left Houston, and there's legit no names here, except for I guess the running back room. But again, we know how they're performing, and it reminds me of lot a lot of Sean McDermott's first year when we were picking all these random people and making a mass exodus. It's just, it's not to say that they're bad it's not anything that's going to move the needle <laughs> so i i don't know
1: yeah and I, I think i think the biggest part of this organization's problems with talent and all that i think this even goes beyond when they gave bill o'brien too much control um i i could talk for 40 minutes alone on <laughs> Their organization at the top end and all the follies that they've done there, I won't subject you to that. But mm-hmm. this is this goes far beyond the talent on the field. That they have an organizational problem in Houston, and it starts at the tippy tippy top. And like you said, it, it kind of reminds you of when McDermott and Bean came came over and started fixing up the Bills. Um, I just I don't see that that prospect in sight for houston i think they're going to be yeah. in, in this spot for a while
0: yeah and not to you know we won't go into it like but that you know the fbi is now involved with that deshaun watson thing that's not good you know if the fbi is involved you're that's that's a pretty you know not you know not to say that it's not a red flag but this this is like a wave of red flags like like hey something's wrong here like no, thank you. And if you're a free agent like, and you're seeing this mass exodus of talent and you're just like, ooh, do I want to go there? Like, <laughs> But money, I guess. Whatever. Let's move on. Uh, oh, you were going to say something? No.
1: that. Oh. <laughs> and we covered it.
0: Yeah. And the next weakness is Mr. Longneck himself davis mills in my opinion and this wasn't even on the list i threw him on this list because uh, he ain't it (laughs) and he maybe he could be it one day he's just unproven and what i saw from him on thursday night didn't impress me the one thing that i did notice again was his long neck and you just got to protect that neck man (laughs) Take your neck. You want to talk about this D line? Come, like you know, trying to take your head off like that. That ain't. That is not doing you any favors, okay? (laughs) And I understand that's not his fault. So I'm not. I'm. I'm done harping on him for that. It was just one thing I noticed. Like you ever watched that "How I Met Your Mother" episode where you never notice things about your friends or whatnot until somebody mentions it, and then the the glass glass breaks, and you're, and now you're like, you can't unsee it. (laughs) i never noticed it until i i think i i think i was listening to the buffalo b and they said something about his neck and i was like let me look at this so i looked i was like damn (laughs) unbelievable unbelievable but he's a rookie quarterback and you know how mcdermott is against rookie quarterbacks and so far leslie frazier is making some really good plans so i don't foresee this being a strength yeah I,
1: I can't even like fault davis mills for this one i i think he has some potential but you know we're not even talking like a top 10 first round pick quarterback and i think he was in third round something yeah, third like that round, i think yeah so you know you saw even in like josh's rookie year and what he's evolved into you know being a top 10 pick and coming into a team devoid of talent like that mm-hmm. you know yeah, he had his moments where he flashed, but his first year, he he wasn't a very good quarterback, and and those those are the type of guys that are supposed to be you know more pro re- pro ready and ready to put a franchise on their back and whatnot. Um, and Davis Mills shouldn't even be sniffing a field this year, and I I think he has the potential to be something in the league, but. Mm-hmm getting a start like this is is not going to be good for anybody.
0: Yeah. And I guess we're transitioned to the last weakness and that's their best cornerback. Bradley Robey is still suspended, which leads me to a follow question. Who do they have then? Who do you have to defend the bills receivers or running backs? Like if, they if you need a cornerback to come down to the box and tackle Moss like that's like it's just not good in my opinion it's just not good
1: (laughs) yeah there there's really across the whole team there's nobody I mean maybe outside of Brandon Cooks that really puts any sort of fear into me so we have to make sure that we stay focused on this game and don't start worrying about the chiefs next week because Mm -hmm. it is the NFL and anything can happen. We've seen them play some teams tight, but not too many players on that team really give me concerns.
0: Yeah. And again, I guess that just kind of speaks to Brandon Cook's skill because he's still doing really good on this team. So
1: have fun with Trey.
0: Yeah. Yeah, seriously. All right, let's transition to the things we do want to see and don't want to see. And, you know, Justin, I always lead this off. Why don't you kick us off with things you want to see?
1: What I would like to see is the D-line eat. Um, what we saw two weeks ago against Miami, um, it's kind of a very similar situation. And, you know, we, starting off with Tua and then, you know, Jacoby Brissett actually has some experience in the league he's he's seen a lot of things but that kind of younger unproven talent at quarterback is what we're going to be facing here uh i'm i'll extend it past the d line include the linebackers the cornerbacks send the heat take some chances play a single high safety and really dare davis mills to beat you leave leave higher uh Hyder poyer back there and Let them try to take a shot and beat you that way. Um, I think this is another game where we could conceivably see six, seven sacks and have some from the D-line, maybe a corner blitz in there, maybe linebackers. Um, But I kind of want to see them just tee off on keeping everything inside five yards and Hmm. stopping running backs in the backfield, getting sacks, forcing mistakes, and, and really play opportunistic like that
0: wow you you want you want I'm out for blood buddy you want the Tua and what's his name Jacoby Brissett deal yeah you want that package okay are you are you are are has the Houston playoff game still resonating with you um no I just think it's the
1: opportunity (laughs) I think I think Houston's gone enough gone through enough since they beat us in the playoffs they went from. But AFC you want more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see who's on the roster besides beyond Davis Mills to play quarterback.
0: Oh, okay. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, I'll tell you what I want to see. And I want to see McKenzie be good in the return game, punting, punt returns, kick returns. It, he's shown good and some bad again, that with that we mentioned earlier in this episode Against the Washington football team, this inconsistency—that's not good for my heart, <laughs> or your hearts, or any of the hearts of the Bills mafia. I—I I don't want to go like, oh, what? What are you doing? Like, I—I I just need him to be consistent, one way or another. You know, if he's consistently bad, fine. Then we know that we need to do something, and we have someone like Marquez Stevenson waiting in the wings. Not to say that might be a better option, but it's something maybe we could turn to i i just need i just need to know man i i want us i want mckenzie to do well the face of the franchise he needs to be good he can't have a face of the franchise be bad at what he does it's unbelievable so on on your wavelength there i'll sprinkle in a little
1: bonus thing i want to see um if if stevenson is healthy and can be activated off the ir i think this might be a fun game to maybe activate him and deactivate Brita for a game, something like that. And if it is a game where we can get maybe like optimistically, like a three score lead and you can sprinkle Stevenson in there on some return, return duties and see Mm. how he looks in live action. Um, This is kind of where I was talking about. I don't rule out Stevenson making the roster by the end of the year. And I think it would be in the vein of McKenzie still struggling and wanting to see what he has. So maybe maybe bring him up for a game if he's healthy. See what he's got.
0: Yeah, and I mean we don't know what what's going to happen with Brito, right? Like he, I think he's been inactive for two straight weeks now. So who knows?
1: <laughs> let's see the toy.
0: Yeah, let's transition to things we don't want to see, and I I'll start here. I don't want to see a Knox regression. I've got a piece of the. I got a taste of it. I want more because he's starting to show out and be more consistent, and he's building on that each game, including last year's playoffs. Like I'm pretty sure he's caught a touchdown. In what the list? Couple of games. I, I don't know. He in general, he's contributing in a meaningful way, and if. The bills can have good tight end play, tight end play consistently, and fold that into our offense. Forget it. Forget it. That would be yeah. a a dream.
1: Yeah, and I think Knox is kind of going right along with the plan that that I kind of wanted to see in the off season. Is like with the way our offense runs. I, I'm not. I mean, I'd be glad to see it, but I'm not really interested in. You know, if he has 150 yards and three touchdowns every week, what I wanted to see from him this year is making the most of the opportunities he's he's given. Get the catches that are, you know, third and four, and you can go to your tight end for a mismatch and him pull those down. Be be an asset in the red zone, mm-hmm. and I don't think I don't think it'll always be like gaudy numbers, um, but
0: just go to prom again.
1: Yeah, four catches for 50 yards and a touchdown, I'll, I'll take that every game of the season. Go to prom. And uh, for what for what I don't want to see this week, and I've kind of mentioned it already a couple times, as I just don't want to see a team that feels like they're looking past their opponent. I don't think McDermott's culture really sets up to see that. Um, but I don't want to see a team that kind of is looking towards the Kansas City game, you know that one circled on the calendar. Mm -hmm. Um, You see a team come out flat like that, and all of a sudden there's a turnover, a a blown assignment, all of a sudden you're in a 14-0 hole, and and you're chasing it the whole game. Uh, So I want to see... I don't want to see them come out flat. I want to see them come out sharp and -hmm. looking like they're really ready to go for this game.
0: That being said, let's talk about predictions. I got this as a W, and I think the line says the Bills are favored by 17 and a half points, which damn, like 17 and a half points. I've never seen anything like that. And I don't know if I'm a Houston, if I'm any part of coaching staff or any player, I'm using that as motivation to you know let's like keep it re- within 17. Yes, yeah, basically. Let's screw over all these people who bet the over just like I don't know, but I I do think the Bills win this game. It's just to your point, I don't want I don't want them to think that they got this in the bag. Nothing's given. So earn it. Go out there and earn it.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm predicting a win and whenever I see a spread that big in the NFL I just it, it changes my score prediction for the game because I, I think there's a good chance that this is a pretty big beat down mm-hmm. um, but if I were betting my own money I would bet on Houston covering now I have been you know doing my hypothetical bets and I've been terrible this year so <laughs> don't use my betting advice um, but I'm I'm putting this one at 27 to 10 the texans covered by the half point okay it's a big spread
0: yeah right all right well that's gonna wrap it up for this week's episode again go ahead and like comment subscribe and share this podcast we would greatly appreciate it thanks for sticking around if you made it to the end of this episode uh we really appreciate it As always, you can find us um, by searching The Wandering Buffalo Podcast on most social media and podcasting platforms and also on YouTube. Uh, You can also find us on the Built-in Buffalo Network. Justin, where can uh, the people find you?
1: You can find me on all social media at jgods22.
0: And as always, you can find me on most social media platforms by searching 2Changs. That's going to do it for tonight's episode, and let's hope we, uh, you know, cover that 17 and a half point spread and prove justin wrong again in terms of betting i'd but, love to uh, be wrong yeah I, I love when justin's wrong too i guess <laughs> it's fun for everyone right all right well that does it that's doing it for this episode i can't obviously speak towards the end of it but i do know how to say one thing and that's go Bills.
1: go bills